Hello and welcome to the newest edition of JumboCast the Podcast. This is your host, Jared Davis. Happy to be bringing you the inside scoop on all things sports, both on the hill and in the pros. It's the weekend before Thanksgiving and we have so much to talk about. The NFL is in full swing amidst a pandemic. College football has never looked the same. The start of the NBA season is right around the corner and all organized practices for Tufts athletics are canceled. Let's start with the NFL and Henry Stahl. Henry Stahl, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jared. It's good to be back on the pod. Awesome, awesome. Glad to have you with us. We have a really, really interesting NFL landscape here. We still have an undefeated team. The Chiefs look like who they thought we all are, and the Jets are still winless. What do you got for us? Uh, well, first I want to talk about last night's game. Uh, Seahawks versus Cardinals is really proving to be a great rivalry, especially with the emergence of second-year quarterback Kyler Murray. Last night, the Seahawks were able uh, to take the win 28-21, but a lot of it was uh, because of Arizona. They had really costly penalties on both sides of the ball. Uh, they had a fight breakout after a third down that led to a Seattle touchdown. Uh, they would have had, uh, Seattle would have had to punt, excuse me, uh, had that fight not broken out. And they held in the their own end zone, which gave up a safety. So just a one-score margin, those penalties really added up. Uh, Seahawks were able to break their two-game losing streak, was, which was really important for them. They were able to start 5-0, and but have been 1-3 in their past four, other than this last game. So really good for them to get back on track. Uh, they definitely want to win this competitive division with both the Cardinals and Rams on their tail. They're now half a game ahead of the Rams. And uh, the Murray to DeAndre Hopkins and the Wilson to DK Metcalf connections uh, were both great. Uh, Each quarterback had a pair of touchdowns and no interceptions to their name. Uh, It it was really a great battle between two MVP caliber QBs. Definitely, definitely. I couldn't keep my eyes off the screen. Very, very exciting game. Maybe the best Thursday night game we've had so far. And the game we see ends on a sack. It looked like Murray was poised maybe to do it again, maybe to leave those 12 seconds on the clock for, for Russ to come back down and uh, pull pull a Kyler like he did uh, last week. But that Seattle defense found a way to get that sack to finish the game off. So a huge win for Seattle. Um, really, really exciting division, the NFC West. Looking at some of the other divisions in the NFL, we know that um, the AFC West is pretty interesting with the Chiefs and the Raiders both looking good. You know, you have uh, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns all possibly vying for a spot in the playoffs in the AFC North. Um, lots of fun divisions, lots of fun divisions. What's your take on some of these? Uh, well, I think I want to stick with the – or go to AFC South um, with the Titans and Colts. Uh, both at six and three, trying to win that division. Uh, the other team could uh, very likely get the wild card spot. Uh, I think the Titans are definitely looking at last year's playoff performance, getting to uh, the conference championship uh, despite being a wild card team. They don't want to be a wild card. They want to win the division. Uh, 
preferably get a first round bye. Uh, that will be tough with some really good teams in the AFC. Um, but the Colts are giving them a run for their money. Their defense is really good. They're first in yards per game allowed, which is to say they have allowed the fewest, um, and fourth in points per game. And Phillip Rivers uh, hasn't been uh, getting a lot of news surrounding him, but he's been doing great as just a game manager. It doesn't seem like they have a great rushing attack, but that uh, three-headed beast with Naeem Hines, Jonathan Taylor, all those guys uh, has been just good enough for the Colts. They don't really need it with a defense that's so good. Uh, and the Titans, they uh, they lost to the Colts already. So second time around comes, they're going to need to win that game if they want a chance at a division title. Definitely, definitely. I really like the Colts watching them play. I think last week really made me realize um, just how efficient they really are. You know, Philip Rivers is a veteran. He's found a way to always kind of kind of be good in the clutch is really Philip Rivers uh, M.O. And when he gets down in that red zone with all the weapons he has on that offense, I mean, they're not big name weapons, but he has multiple running backs from the backfield that he can toss the ball to a decent tight end, a wide receiver or two. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is not having the year that you'd hope him to have, especially from a fantasy standpoint. But that Colts offense, uh, they have some weapons. And with Phillip Rivers pulling the strings, um, he's made that Colts team one of the most improved. I mean, you know, with Andrew Luck uh, retiring, definitely it changes the balance at times. Andrew Luck, not as consistent at Phillip Rivers. He, he doesn't make those interceptions, doesn't make those mistakes, and he really keeps them in the game. I know how you call him coming more of a game manager, and I do kind of agree with that. But um, definitely, definitely making the Colts a really interesting team to watch. And, you know, you have the Texans in that division, too. They're not doing their thing this year. It's kind of falling apart, trading away their best wide receiver. But they're still not a very fun team to face. So um, that division is really interesting. Quick, uh, quick bookkeeping thing to this year. We have an eight teams in the playoffs. No first round by the first seed is going to play the eight seed. Um, one of the wild cards and no buys. So just a clarification on that one. Looking over to um, some of the injury news in the NFL. Some serious injuries. Uh, we're looking at Teddy Bridgewater um, got injured in his game last week. But looks like he is good to go for this week. Said he's a uh, around the around the facility with a positive vibe, even though he did kind of injure his knee last week. Some of the other injuries you want to look at. Well, on Teddy Bridgewater, uh, the Panthers definitely don't want another injury-prone QB on their hand. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater obviously had that gruesome injury that uh, ended his tenure with the Vikings, and the Panthers have experienced it over and over with Cam Newton before uh, they had to let him go. And so uh, good luck to the Panthers on that. I think Teddy can really bring that one out. Um, And big news in the NFC South is uh, Taysom Hill is going to get the start uh, tomorrow, I believe is when they play. Um, Drew Brees got injured last week, and Jameis Winston had to step up at QB. But now the Saints have said Taysom Hill is going to get the start with Jameis Winston getting the backup. I think it'll be somewhat split, uh, at least as split as it gets at the quarterback position in the NFL, which is not a lot. But I don't think Taysom Hill is going to be playing 
95% of the snaps at quarterback, I think they'll switch it up a lot uh, because Sean Payton loves to use Taysom Hill all across the field. But that's big for the Saints. Drew Brees looks past his prime this year is what I'll say. Uh, but still, he's been great for the Saints his entire career ever since uh, he went over there. And in a competitive division with the Buccaneers right on their tail, uh, it's tough to see Drew Brees go down. Definitely, definitely. You like to see Drew Brees um, doing his thing, still performing at a very high level, even late into his career. Um, along the lines of some other injuries, we see just a lot of players who have been injured on and off all season, still showing up on the injury list. A new update, too, for the Raiders. Some, um, a lot of their team was in the COVID-19 list. I think I saw seven new players, so that may affect the revenge matchup with the Chiefs this week. Of course, the Raiders handing the Chiefs their only loss so far, and uh, they then circled the buses around their uh, facilities and the Chiefs took uh, took exception to that one, so it might be kind of a redemption game. The Chiefs going to show their their medal um, here against the Raiders, but the Raiders without some of their key players might be a real route for the Chiefs. They're going off at minus seven right now. Um, but yeah, you're looking at Christian McCaffrey, Devontae Adams, Ezekiel uh, Elliott, Joe Mixon, just some of these big players that have been kind of banged up all season still looking uh, kind of banged up still, so hopefully – that can kind of change come playoff times, get some of those big-name players back in the fold. Um, but who do you got coming out of these, these divisions now that we're only six, six weeks away from, from the finish of the season? Uh, well, I think in the AFC West, the Chiefs are going to pull it out. Uh, I think the, they're just so solid. Patrick Mahomes can do it all. It's, it's, you would be a fool to bet against them. Uh, but I do think the Raiders have a very good chance at a wild card spot. Though, as I'm looking at these AFC standings, I think a lot of teams have a great chance. Uh, well, I guess, as you mentioned, with the eight-team ex extended format, I think uh, there are a lot of teams who, who have that possibility to get into the playoffs. Um, in the AFC South, I do think the Colts will uh, beat out the Titans. I think their defense is really good. And it's hard to imagine that Phillip Rivers has been their best quarterback in who knows how long. But Andrew Luck uh, dealt with so many injuries before he went into early retirement. I think Phillip Rivers has done better than Jacoby Brissett uh, and all the backups the Colts have had. So Phillip Rivers past his prime is the best quarterback the Colts have seen in a while. So. Uh, they're in a pretty solid situation. In the AFC North, Steelers look like they're just storming away with this one. They're 9-0. I don't think they hold on to that undefeated record. But I do think they're beating out the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, but uh, in the AFC East, this is uh, my, my upset. I think the Dolphins can beat out the Bills for this AFC East title. It looks like the Patriots are pretty much long gone. The Jets. Still don't have a win. Uh, they're definitely not winning. I I think it's math. Yeah, it's mathematically impossible for them to do so. Um, but I think the Dolphins—they're on a three-game, maybe even four-game win streak. 
Tua is three and O. I don't think he's been, you know, the, the biggest factor in that. Ryan Fitzpatrick was doing just fine as well. Uh, but they're on a hot streak. They have been some legitimately good teams in the Arizona Cardinals and Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and I'm going to give you their remaining schedule. They've got the Broncos, winnable. Jets, winnable. Bengals, winnable. Chiefs, pretty iffy. Patriots, winnable. Raiders, winnable. Buffalo, week 17. That's their big game. Uh, if they can win against those uh, quote-unquote easier teams, uh, which obviously easier said than done, uh, and they can beat Buffalo in that last game against top five MVP candidate Josh Allen, they're winning that division. Definitely. I totally agree. That is a, a hot take, but I do see where you're coming from. Miami looks really, really good this uh, just currently, too. I mean, two has kind of got the magic going, kind of that game manager vibe that we are talking about earlier, but they're just... They seem to be uh, caught fire and just running with it, and uh, I couldn't. I could see it happening. I think the Bills will hold on. That defense and Josh Allen is uh, more than a game manager. So uh, you know the the quarterback position is one of the most important position in the NFL. So um, I think that'll pull them through. But it'd be really interesting to see. And I have my eyes on Week 17 to watch that Bills Miami game. Should be really exciting. Heading over to the NFC, we talked about the NFC West. Who do you have there coming out? You still have the Seahawks, or do you think the Cardinals can make it out? I think the Seahawks are taking that one. Russ really looks like he's locking in this MVP. Uh, I think Kyler Murray still needs some experience if he's going to beat such, uh, you know, someone with Super Bowl experience in Russell Wilson. Um, the Seahawks defense hasn't looked great, but DK Metcalf and their running game uh, just keep it going for the Hawks. Uh, I think the Rams can definitely uh, eke in a, a playoff spot as well. And then for the NFC South, I honestly I couldn't tell you who's winning between the Saints and the Bucks. Saints have gone two and a go two and zero against the Bucks. They don't have too many uh, tough games left, but you can really never count Brady out to win a division. NFC North. Packers look like they're storming away with it. Bears are maybe the most mediocre team in the NFL. They're sitting at five and five right now. Uh, Vikings, uh, my Minnesota Vikings, um, I'm biased towards them, but it's they're looking to produce too little too late. And the Lions, same thing. They've shown some glimpses, but they've always just kind of been behind, whereas Aaron Rodgers is kind of back to form. NFC East, I don't want to stick on it too long because uh, they have been uh, very tough. <laughs> no team is above three wins. Eagles are slightly better than the Giants at three, five, and one. Uh, at the Giants, three and seven. None of the teams are very good. Cowboys suffered that horrible injury to Dak Prescott. I think the Eagles take this one just by default because they look somewhat competent and Carson Wentz, as long as he doesn't royally screw up every game, uh, will be just fine. Very interesting. I think, yeah, the Eagles probably have the biggest chance, but I don't think you can count out the football team. They, they're looking kind of decent at times. Uh, maybe they find a way 
to pull through. But I think, yeah, the Eagles do have the easiest path to making the playoffs, even though that team is likely to lose in the first round. NFC East just being the weakest division in football. Uh, very, very, very good. Hank, what do you got for us on the game to watch this weekend? Uh, I actually have no clue. Let me <laughs> let me look at a schedule. Yeah, you can look at a schedule and yeah. you can just cut that part out. I knew that was going to be uh, rough. Though. Okay, what do we got? Okay, I've got it. I'll just jump right into it. All right, Jared. I think I'm going to go with your Las Vegas Raiders versus the Chiefs. The rematch, uh, the Raiders just crushed uh, the Chiefs, put up, what, 40 points the last time they faced them. Uh, as you said, they're, uh, the Chiefs' only loss of the season. Uh, the, the Raiders... Uh, have been putting up a lot of points. They can they can win shootouts. Uh, Derek Carr just needs to put in a couple good throws. Josh Jacobs seems to be heating up again, uh, and I think this could really be uh, the turning tide in the AFC. I think the Chiefs are still going to win uh, the AFC West, but. Their, their top seed in the playoffs could be at risk if they're taking another loss to the Raiders. And who knows? They face the Colts, uh, the Chargers, and Miami, who I think uh, can definitely pull off an upset later in the season. So Chiefs really want to win this primetime game. Yeah, definitely. And it's a big game for the Raiders. That extra win can kind of separate them from the pack. As you said, a lot of teams vying for playoff positions. If the Raiders can get an extra win against maybe a team you don't expect them to win against, um, they can separate themselves and get a higher seed and maybe not have to play the likes of uh, the Chiefs or the Steelers early on in the playoffs. Of course, some other games to watch. Got the Rams and the Buccaneers. That's a good matchup. Steelers, Titans, and uh, Packers, Colts, all coming at you this weekend with big playoff implications. Thank you. Thank you much, Hank. It was a very fun talking to you. Great insight on the football and good luck with all your stuff. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jared. Now let's take a turn to the NBA with Andrew Howe giving us his take. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, Jared. Happy to be here. Awesome. Happy to have you with us. We saw the NBA draft occur this Wednesday. Still some of the later rounds happening, I believe, in the last day or so. Um, but lots of interesting things going on with the season just right around the corner, starting very soon in December, I think right before Christmas day and, uh, basketball will be back soon. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah. You know, I'm super excited for the NBA to come back. You know, this is my favorite part of the season, honestly. Um, which is actually kind of funny because it's like the off season getting to see where all the rosters, um, end up going, what direction each team tries to go, where the players, um, seem to go. Um, and also just, um, getting ready for the NBA draft. I mean, the draft happened um, about two days ago on the 18th. And um, yeah, a lot of really great names coming out. It was basically the story of about three of the top three players in this draft, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, and LaMelo Ball. And then afterwards, there was kind of like um, 
a bit of a drop off in terms of 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 player potential and and skill, I guess. Um, but the Minnesota Timberwolves with the number one pick, selecting Anthony Edwards, who I feel like can be um, a really solid player coming straight out of the draft, working really well with um, D'Angelo Russell and, and Carl Anthony Towns, who they have up there in Minnesota already. And I, I do think that Anthony Edwards will be um, a solid pickup for them. Um, I know people were wanting LaMelo Ball, but I, I didn't really see the synergy that he could really have with D'Angelo Russell, just having two on-ball players like um, star on your team. So... I'm kind of happy that he went to Charlotte instead. Um, and then finally, the other pick would be James Wiseman going number two to the Warriors. The Warriors, a team that um, recently, unfortunately, just lost Clay Thompson to a season-ending Achilles injury. You hate to see it, but we won't be seeing Clay Thompson for the second straight year. Um, but James Wiseman is a big center um, from Memphis that can definitely put in a lot of, of work on the glass. Definitely know that the, the Warriors are always a team that have those um, small ball lineups. So having a skilled center here coming in at number two is going to be super exciting. Definitely, definitely. Very, very exciting. I'm looking forward to some of these young players who are drafted, especially Edwards in Minnesota, looking to maybe make a name. Um, Wiseman too, you know, the big guys nowadays, not as big of an impact unless they can learn to shoot the ball. But um, I do think Wiseman can be an important player, maybe even an all-star in the league. Um, some of the movement going on in the teams, you know, I have Dennis Schroeder going to the Lakers, um, Westbrook and Harden possibly wanting out of Houston, Obrey, lots and lots of movement. What do you got for me? Yeah, there's there's so much that has happened in this, these last couple of days. The trade windows just opened on Monday. So lots of things are going down. Um, first thing I want to talk about, actually, Chris Paul going from the OKC Thunder to the Phoenix Suns. So um, Chris Paul, um, kind of at the end of the last season, Thunder um, getting traded from the Rockets to the Thunder after um, in that Russell Westbrook trade. But Chris Paul really made it look like he wanted to leave and get out of OKC after the end of the season, um, just in the, his wording and stuff. And he got his wish, getting sent over to the Phoenix Suns for Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, and Jalen LeCue, and a 2022 first-round pick. That team, and just taking a look at that, you got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Aiden all on the same team, as well as these young players in Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson to round up the roster. I'm super excited for this team. It's going to be super fun to watch. Lots of shooting uh, all over, and it's going to be a really um, exciting team in the Western Conference that actually went 8-0 and zero in the bubble without Kelly Oubre. So it's going to be really crazy to see what happens um, when, the, when, these, when these guys get a full year to run. Definitely, yeah, super, super exciting. Uh, I definitely could see Phoenix getting a higher seed in the playoffs this year, and Aiton is only going to keep growing. People know it. They see it. If you watch basketball, you see Aiton. He's a real talent. Um, he, I think his talent um, translates to the NBA no matter which era, which decade he plays in. He's just a big, strong guy, talented basketball player. And with Chris Paul and all his expertise, I think he's really going to accelerate that development. He's already a pretty good passer, and he's only going to become a better passer. And he's just going to keep finishing at the rim and uh, space the floor for the shooters on the Suns, a team to really watch out for. I don't know if it's going to change the balance in the West with some of the power at the top, but um, it's going to make it a, a tougher run through for the teams like the Lakers, uh, possibly the Clippers, some of those better teams. Really, really exciting. Yeah, and even even going off of that, um, it just shows how scary like this this Western Conference is going to be. I mean, just taking a look at all the teams, I, I can see 12, maybe even 13 teams that have the potential 
to you know make the playoffs get and get into the playoffs here um and there's there's really no like clear like favorites for these like later seeds and and it's with teams like Phoenix, Memphis, Minnesota, even in even Golden State without Klay Thompson and and of course the New Orleans Pelicans coming in um definitely going to be super exciting to see these young and upcoming teams try and make that playoff push and the western conference is just so competitive right now it's going to be a crazy end of the season as these teams try to push for the playoffs definitely yeah we talked about harden and russ possibly wanting out of houston um as of the moment it doesn't look like it's gonna happen looks like they're just gonna restart again and that's you know that's probably the second best team, the, the one team that you possibly would think would have a chance of um, preventing the Lakers from reaching the finals again. But with that internal strife, we don't really know what's going to happen there. If one of them did go to another Western Conference team, I think whoever they join is really going to have an awesome chance if they go to an already set up team. Over to the East, you know, we have Giannis and the Bucks after their kind of implosion in the bubble. Um, the, the Heat looking good, adding some young players to talked about in the draft. And then you have the Nets coming back from injury with Kyrie, KD, um, looking, looking really good. So on the East, I, I really don't know what's going to happen in the East. It's a, it's a wild, wild, uh, wild, wild East, not wild, wild West. <laughs> Yeah, uh, definitely. I do want to touch on on the Nets a little bit here. You know, they are my team. Have made a couple of moves um in this offseason so far. Traded away Jean and Musa and a 2021 second round pick for Bruce Brown. I think that's a really great move from them. Detroit is a team that is rebuilding, just trying to get pick up some picks and and Brown is this really um really great defender at the two who can who can um really I think come in and provide a lot of defense um and and some 3 and D power that this Nets team is looking for. And and on draft night, they ended up trading away their first round pick um, for Landry Shamit coming in from the Clippers. Shamit will provide a lot of shooting, and I'm really excited for that. Um, but the, the big elephant in the room here with the Nets is definitely all of these James Harden rumors. And and honestly, if you look at the moves that, that Houston has made this offseason, it looks like they're trying to to try and, and rebuild and dump some contracts or, or something. It's, it's really hard. It's really interesting to see. They traded away Robert Covington for essentially a first round pick, um, which who was a and and Covington obviously was was a, one of the big pieces like in 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 Houston for that championship small ball run. Um, not 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 winning the championship, but going for that championship. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's seeing a, such a core piece like that go away. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Harden and or Westbrook moved in the coming in the coming days. Um, I know Harden um, um, really wants to come to Brooklyn. You know, as a Nets fan, um, it would be bittersweet to see Harden come over to this team. Obviously, you'd have three of the best players in the NBA on the same team, and Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. Like, why wouldn't you want that? But I, I really like this Brooklyn Nets team that they have set up. They have these two stars, but then they have they run so deep with um with just really solid role players, even fringe all stars you could argue in Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, even Jared Allen coming in um and and just being really solid players for them. And and being a Nets fan for a while, I've I've kind of grown attached to some of these guys, and seeing them go would be not so fun. Going over to other parts of the East, though. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks are really are really trying to position themselves to keep Giannis um, on their team. Obviously, his contract expires in the next couple of years, and he has the opportunity to go to become a free agent. Um, and so, 
the Bucks want to do everything they can to keep their superstar in their small town. Trading for Drew Holiday and essentially giving up five first-round picks, um, including pick swaps and everything, for Drew Holiday, a player who wasn't even an all-star these past couple of years, um, but definitely somebody who can um, be that um, ball handler and and really great defender, considered one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, there was a, there was um, a signing trade in place for Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Kings, but rumors say that that deal is starting to fall apart as the Kings somehow never told Bogdanovich that he was going to be signing traded to the Bucks and caused a whole lot of of craziness. And eventually, the, the deal ended up falling apart. So, um, kind of a strange situation there. But either way, you can see that the Bucks are posturing to building their team super strong, giving away essentially giving away their future um, to just try. And and you know get to this point where they can where they can compete for a championship after um, what you could consider a failure um, these recent years. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I'd like to see what happens in Milwaukee because that's a really exciting team. You know, you got Chris Middleton who can put down threes and then still work on the inside. You know, there, there was a lot of uh, con- condemnation of Chris Middleton that he he kind of let the team down. He needed to be that all star. Um, in the playoffs and he just wasn't doing it so I don't know I think he's gonna have a real breakout season this year and it's gonna show that uh, you know they do have two all-stars on that team and uh, Giannis being probably one of the best players in the league they're gonna be dominant just like they were last year but it's just if that style of basketball can translate in the playoffs speaking about the format of the season so we're gonna have preseason games start here the 11th of december which is right around the corner you know two three weeks coming so uh basketball's back almost december 22nd we have the first game of the regular season so three days before christmas uh, christmas coming a little bit early for all of our basketball fans all-star break in uh march 5th to the 10th so a week before um saint patrick's day so you can Get celebrate one week early and then keep celebrating the weekend after. And uh, the end of the regular season comes on May 16th. Uh, there's going to be another play-in tournament, so a three-day play-in tournament um, in late May and the playoffs late May and July, kind of getting things back to normalcy um, with just the, the calendar year for the playoffs, you know, playoffs in May, late May. So um, really something to look forward to. Basketball will be right back soon. What are your thoughts on including this kind of play-in tournament and uh, how COVID will continue to impact um, the basketball season when it returns? Yeah, so in terms of COVID, I, I did hear Adam Silver get say that he's trying to get these teams to, to get fans into the stands as soon as possible. Um, that's something that I don't really um, know how that's going to work because I know a lot of states still have orders of, of preventing like big gatherings of even like over 10 people in indoor locations right now. So um, having thousands of NBA fans in a stadium would definitely be of a strange turn at, for the, to say the least, I guess. But there are other, I guess there are other states. Um, I guess we, we live up here in the Northeast where there's lots of restrictions, but uh, in other areas in the country, there's there's definitely going to be fans in the stands as early as possible, I guess. And I mean, it's going to be crucial for creating revenue. You just have to hope that everyone's safe, practices social distancing, and 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 keep it under control. And in terms of the play-in tournament, I really like it. Um, as I was saying before, in the Western Conference, there's so many teams that that have this playoff potential, and it's going to be really sad to see a lot of them go without having that chance in the postseason. So giving a, some extra teams some opportunities to try and get into that playoff 
Um, we saw the we saw the playing tournament work um, pretty well in the bubble this year. Uh, with that matchup between the Portland Trailblazers and the Memphis Grizzlies ended up with Dame and them getting into the eight seed to play against the Lakers. They eventually lost, but it was a fun game. It was it, it came down to the wire, I believe, and I'm super excited to see how this can um, be influenced moving forward. Definitely, no, yeah, you're quite right about it coming down to the wire and being really exciting. I remember that kind of just. Uh made the legend of playoff Dame. He was uh, he was coming out even against the Lakers, you know, trying to put them on his back, scoring 30-plus points. But uh, I'm personally a traditionalist and kind of like the old way things are, you know, baseball changing. I'm not a huge fan. Football, I mean, my team, maybe they get a chance to win because I choose to not support a very, very good team. But um, I still would prefer kind of the traditional way it was. There was nothing wrong with it. Let's keep it. But for basketball here, I, I think I have to jump ship and say this is really exciting. It kind of kind of primes the pump, gets you really excited for some of the basketball that's going to happen in the playoffs. Um, you see some of these really, really exciting characters, you know, Devontae Murray, Damian Lillard, some of these players that just once the moment shows up, they're a different animal and they uh, put the team on their back and just go off in the in the playoffs. And, you know, the way the game has transformed shooting the three ball, maybe even from the, the semi-circle. Um, these players are just lethal when it comes in the playoffs. They, they, just, they just turn it on. So it's really, really exciting to watch. I'm looking forward to it a lot. Um, any last words you wanted to mention? Well, free agency is coming up very soon. I mean, I guess by the time this podcast is released, a lot of the free agents will have already come out. Lots of names to look out for. This is obviously um, a, a, sh- a smaller free agency class than, than the one we saw last year. But still a lot of important names. We we got people like DeMar DeRozan probably opting in. But but these big names like Gordon Hayward, Danilo Gallinari um, becoming unrestricted free agents. It's going to be really interesting. I feel like these are the kind of pieces that can turn a champion, uh, turn turn a strong team into a contending one. And so free agency will open in about six hours. And I'm super excited to see where it's going to go. Awesome. Yeah, we'll keep our eyes on that. I'm going to let you run. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week and catch you around. Thanks so much, Jared. I'll see you later. Now we head over to Sam Brill in the Athletes Corner. His guest today is Becca Gable, a sophomore from the women's lacrosse team. I'm here now with Becca Gable, a longtime friend and a defenseman for the Tufts women's lacrosse team, a sophomore. Becca, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Sam. So we're going to jump right in with last season. You, you know, your team starts its season just to be told that the rest of it's canceled. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, so that was definitely heartbreaking is probably the word I'd use to describe it. Um, there were definitely a lot of tears shed in our last couple of days being here. It was just pretty tough in the moment because we didn't realize how serious like COVID was and we're like going to be so like looking back it's easy to be like oh yeah they definitely made the right decision but like in the moment that didn't really help especially because like d1 schools weren't like canceled yet and like we didn't know how bad it was gonna get so we felt like almost betrayal because we'd worked so hard and then they were just like called it so early it felt like it also just like i don't know it was just frustrating because it felt like almost a waste like we were three games in just starting to hit our stride and we had, like, a huge comeback game right before versus Amherst. And, like, had like finally we're meshing and realizing our potential as a team. Um, and we were going to be insane. Like, probably the best group tough swims across had ever seen. And just, like, really we're going to go far into postseason. 
and we just worked so hard in the fall and in the winter in our couple weeks of season and we're all like hungry to see what we could achieve and like what records we could break so just like having that taken away and it was just like so unexpected for everyone like obviously no one could have like seen that happening and so yeah it was pretty it was just a heartbreaking experience yeah, I can understand that that would be heartbreaking, and especially knowing that going into the summer, a lot of your summer teams were going to be canceled. But let's skip the summer and go right back to when you get back to campus. Talk to me a little bit about your experience with the team as you got here as a sophomore versus one year prior coming in as a freshman. Yeah, well, overall, I would just say sophomore year is more fun, like being on a sports team. You kind of just know the program better and you know what's going on. And this fall was super different because we were able to practice with our coach. So it was kind of nice being able to have those even just a couple weeks of season um, because I knew what to expect more. I knew what was expected of me, like, in the program. Also, you're just a lot closer with the upperclassmen. Like, you've spent time together. You know each other better. And, like, you're super excited to be back on campus and, like, playing together. Also, just for, like, personally for me, like, coming in as a freshman was particularly tough because I was recovering from a torn ACL, so I wasn't even cleared to play for the, like, play full contact until, like, a week before season started, so I hadn't really played in the fall or the winter with the girls, so then once season started, I was finally back playing, and it was really tough because I didn't have a lot of confidence, and then, like, getting thrown into season in, like, an unfamiliar program and, like, new speed and like a new like new speed of play new space basically was really scary um this year's definitely just better being aged knowing the program I could like go into fall practices with coach knowing what we were going to do knowing the tempo um and just like have a lot more confidence and like wanting to prove myself and it was just like nice because you already knew the girls you like knew people's strengths and weaknesses and how to like work together so definitely sophomore year is a lot more fun and like being part of the program's a lot easier for sure absolutely and and you said that there's certainly a different pace of play once you're in season and you've gotten a little taste of what it's like to be in season especially at the, the beginning of spring last year how stressful yeah, sure. is it to stay on top of your coursework and how do you stay on top of your game both in and out of the classroom yeah um Last year, I definitely, like, knew when season was coming. I took a little bit lighter course load just because I was, like, I don't really know how it's going to go. I don't haven't, like, really traveled with the team on the weekends, like, that kind of stuff, or during the week even. Um, so I definitely took a little bit, like, lighter course load, but it was pretty manageable. I'm also, like, a big-time management girl, so, like, I love making lists and, like, planning things out. So, like, having practice every day or games on the weekends just kind of got calculated into my schedule. Um, it would definitely get stressful when you'd like find yourself down at the gym for like four to six hours, even though practice is only two hours, you know, you'd like go 45 minutes early to change and get ready and then be at practice for two hours and then like roll out or do recovery after a shower. And then like you head home and you're like, wow, I was just at the gym for five hours or something kind of crazy. Um, so you need to like, you kind of learn to be more efficient in that time like shorten that down to like three hours maybe um when you have like a lot of stuff going on school-wise and you definitely just have to stay on top of your work I think one of the like best things I learned was just to be like almost over communicative with your coaches and your teachers just so like everyone knows what's going on like if I have a huge test coming up or a bunch of pro like projects do or like if I have a lab that interferes with practice just like talking to my lab talking TAs talking to my teachers talking to my coach and like just so everyone's on the same page and then you're not stressed about it and everyone's super accommodating that's also like partly why I love Tufts and I love D3 like 
it's they just want you to be successful in everything you're doing so it's like your teachers are accommodating for your sport and the coaches are so accommodating for academics of course so it's definitely like something you get used to but it's not that hard and there's a bunch of resources to help you too it wasn't too bad of a transition for me i'd say absolutely so let's let's talk a little bit more now about the fall and the covid restrictions that have come about this fall that the universities put in place so talk me talk to me a little bit about how different your practices were at the beginning of this fall versus the beginning of last fall and how did that progress as we went through fall fall practices yeah so it's definitely been super strange strange like usually we in the fall we'll have just captain's practice twice maybe three times a week and then we'll have like these full like lists lifts three times a week um and captain's practice was like pretty chill we'd do fitness running but it was like a really nice way to get close to the team and we'd work really hard but it's also just like a nice adjustment period because you don't feel that like pressure of having coach watching you or whatever like your first couple weeks and obviously I wasn't really playing that much but I could still run and like do some of the stuff with the team and like as I got more cleared um from my injury I could like participate more it's just like a really nice adjustment period but um because obviously they didn't want us to just be like playing free for all um, with COVID restrictions. We actually got to practice with our coach this fall, which um, was really nice. Actually, um, we practiced with coach three times a week and then we had like super monitored halftime lifts twice a week. um, Just so we weren't in the weight room for a super long time. There was like stuff hung up. So like hopefully reduce exposure for everyone wearing masks all the time for practice and lift. Um, also, like, one of the biggest differences besides being in front of coach, obviously, was that, like, we couldn't play contact for a while. So it was a lot of, like, agilities and fitness, which was kind of tough because, like, that's a huge part of, like, personal training and lacrosse and stuff. But also, like, not being able to really play the game, like, play 7v7 or, like, full field scrimmage. That was, like, really tough after a while, just, like, doing running a lot. Um and you were kind of, we were in cohorts kind of, so I'm a defender, so I was in the defense cohort. Um, so during like different breakout groups, we'd be in like, I'd be with all the defenders. So we'd be doing specific like defense footwork, that kind of stuff. But this was also tough because there would literally be practices where I didn't like see or talk to my teammates that were like on attack or like in on midfield, midfield like in different cohorts. Um, so that was definitely weird. And it was, sometimes it felt hard to stay motivated because like we weren't playing lacrosse it felt like that much um but after um a while of like non-contact we actually got like that lifted so we could play contact and it was so fun going into like playing contact we got put in new cohorts um and we were just like doing all of our normal drills and it felt way more like in season like training it was even like higher tempo um everyone's spirits were like pretty lifted and it was just like really fun and refreshing to be able to really play lacrosse and it kind of like reminded you why you love to play the sport um and obviously after a couple of weeks that got taken away and we went back to non-contact but um I think even just having those like two and a half weeks of contact really like refocused people and we're like oh yeah like we're gonna be amazing and this is just like extra time that we can like look get really good and it kind of made going back to non-contact a little bit easier I'd say Absolutely. And and you touched on it briefly, but I know your team is very tight knit despite its pretty large size. Have you guys been able to bond at all with each other outside of practice since you said that usually within practice practice there isn't a ton of time to do that? 
Yeah. So um, I like huge shout out to like our upperclassmen because they were like, how are we going to be able to bond everyone and like keep everyone close when we like can't hang out on weekends and we like sometimes don't even see each other really in practice. And they came up with a bunch of creative ways to do this. Um, we have like, we've had always these things called like best bows, which is like you and like one or two other people and a coach and you'll meet like every other week. And usually you'd go down there, meet in person and hang out and like get coffee or do whatever. But now we just meet on zoom. We kind of just check in, like talk about how school's going, like what's our family doing. So then you like get really close with your best foes. Um, mine's Emma and Meg who are both great. And then this year we started this thing called sister bows, which was just like once a week you get like we get assigned new sister bows every week and we try and do like some social distance activity whether it's like um like getting food or just going out to dinner or breakfast or just like going and like having a picnic sitting somewhere together just chatting and it would be like spread throughout all the grades and we would just go in like groups of four or five and just talk about like what's going on in our lives and honestly like I think Corona has made us even more of like a tight knit group. I would say like we really look out for one another and really like genuinely care. And everyone on our team is like super important and we all mesh really well. Um, and we just like coach especially has been super like on top of this. And like, we have like mental health check-ins almost every practice with each other. You'll just pair up randomly and take a lap around the fields, like mental health check-in. Um, and it's become like pretty standard and it's a really great support system like i'm in quarantine right now and my teammates i like i would say probably at least 10 of them have come and like visit me outside my window right now um and coaches just kind of created like a culture that we're pretty open and candid with each other especially when it comes like how we're doing academically and mentally and i think this is like we would hang out before and have fun but i definitely think it's like made us even closer and like more vulnerable with each other which is nice honestly Good. I'm glad that you guys have been able to make the best out of what seems like a not so great situation. So let's go back towards uh, lacrosse. Uh, The goal is obviously to progress each year, both individually and as a team. Upon coming back to campus, do you feel like you've done that? And do you feel like your teammates have done the same? Yeah, I think we've definitely been progressing. Like I said, it's like super different because um, like no team play and like no contact for most of it. But I think we've really, like, used this time to be able to, like, hone in our individual skills, like, stuff we might not be able to do normally in season or, like, out of season when we would do team play. It was, like, a little bit more relaxed. So, like, things that we've, like, just, like, realized we need to work on individually or, like, need extra practice or help with, we definitely incorporated into practices. Um, And also just, like, being able to use it as, like, a time to, like, really work on things that are important that, like, are specifically like physical lacrosse elements like our communication we do like so many drills that are like super like one person gets instructions relays it to everyone else and like it's all about like remembering those details relaying them like communicating the best way possible um and like being efficient about it and that's like super useful useful on the field and just like setting that standard of hard work and diligence even if it's not like contact play um is definitely helping like fulfill our potential especially as individuals um i've definitely seen everyone individually stick skills speed fitness agility wise get so much better because we've had this time together um and i think confidence wise too people are really starting to like trust themselves more and like play with some more swag and like grit which is also just like a huge part of like going and like going 100 percent when you're when we will play contact and we will play other teams 
So you kind of segued perfectly into the into my next question, which is at this point, uh, we're both well aware that fall and winter sports at Tufts have been canceled. And with the recent closing of the gym and the recent spike on campus, do you foresee a possibility of having a season in the spring? Or do you think that the fate may be more similar to last season? Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm definitely keeping my fingers crossed. The gym's closing definitely was not an encouraging um, sign, but and that makes it super hard to train while we're on campus, which is usually easier to train than when at home. But um, we've had, like, it's just hard. We've had nothing really scheduled. Like, we usually get our winter workout packets, and now we're kind of just in this weird lull, um, and we just, like, worked really hard and got in really good shape for the past couple months, and now it's like what's going to happen. I don't know. And I mean, I was really, really hopeful about having season like a month ago, I'd say, but with like the recent, like pretty explosive COVID outbreak, I feel, I definitely feel a little bit less hopeful um, after like seeing its exponential growth firsthand and like seeing how hard it really is to control when it starts to blow up like that. Um, I mean, I totally have faith that our like spring team coaches, as well as like the AD and like President Monaco, are gonna like really try as hard as possible to find a way for us to have a season. But also, I think like take that with a grain of salt. Our safety and like other students' safety, and just in general, like the population and like Somerville Medford is like super super important. And I don't know, I can't imagine spring without a season. Like, at this point, I haven't had, like, a real lacrosse season since junior year of high school, and it's just, like, hard, like, thinking about doing that again and, like, redoing all the, like, training and, like, non-contact, like, what we did this fall, like, doing having to do that again in the spring, like, in preparation of what, like, doing it again next fall, like, that's just, it's just a frustrating cycle and can be hard to stay motivated. Um, but I'm definitely, like trying to stay optimistic and hopeful and I really like have trust in our AD and I trust in our coach that like no matter what happens we're gonna like make the most of it and like get better as a team somehow so we're just gonna like rally for each other and what happens happens and we'll adjust absolutely and and obviously we're wishing for the best for you guys here at Jumbo Cast and hopefully a season will remain feasible and, and be a possibility yeah I hope so all right well thank you for joining us Becca Thank you so much for having me. Well, that concludes this week's edition of JumboCast the Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Davis, signing off. See you next week.